Welcome to Healing Your Mind Fucked Brain, the only podcast that talks about all mind fucked experiences and ways to heal your brain by using cognitive and behavioral psychology in a non conforming way. Your host is a Shiro and an anomalous doctor in the field of psychology. She has grit and an immense passion for breaking generational cycles by not conforming to society's dated standards. So without further ado, here is your host, Dr. Tisha. Hey everyone, welcome back and thank you for listening in today. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about unhealthy families. Now in my line of work, I see a lot of families that have a breakdown in communication, closeness, openness, trust, support, you name it. Each culture has their own fair share of unhealthy families. But today I wanna focus on the family dynamics within the black culture. As an African-American woman and psychotherapist, I found that my culture has a high rate of families that don't get along. Now I've researched and studied the behaviors of families in my culture for many years, and I've noticed a variety of different behaviors that have led to unhealthy family systems. So today I'll share those with you. First, let's start with the definition of family. A family is a group of people related to one another by blood or marriage. Now, as you know, my goal is to alleviate mind fucks, right? So I don't want to gaslight you here. That is the technical definition of family. However, in my culture, we have many different definitions for that word and each family places their own weight and value on the word. For example, some people have said that blood makes you related, but loyalty makes you family. Others have said that being family does not always mean being blood related. So no matter your belief and how you define the word family, it is all valid, it is all good. So what I am about to speak on are the various behaviors that occur in unhealthy families. These behaviors cause high conflict and tension and the conflict usually goes unresolved. Now with each unhealthy behavior discussed today, I will provide solutions to help you with these concerns if these behaviors exist in your family. So I'll jump right in. Let's start with number one, trauma. Many families have experienced some sort of trauma, whether it's the loss of a loved one or some sort of mistreatment or abuse. The trauma often goes unrecognized or unspoken. For those family members who may have experienced trauma, it's often unspoken to be quite honest. So other members of the family don't even know about it. In these families, members who have been mistreated may continue to show up for the family because they don't want to 
seem like they're avoiding the family. They want to try to keep the family cohesion intact, right? Meanwhile, others do not know of the mistreatment. So this person is just showing up and others don't know what happened. The problem with that is when family members who have been mistreated show up and they meet with the perpetrator, right? The perpetrator and the victim see each other, right? What do you think is going to happen? There's bound to be conflict. There's bound to be some sort of avoidance. There's bound to be some sort of tension. And other family members may notice that, right? And they might ask, what's going on with you and -and so-and-so? Why are y'all bringing that drama around here, right? Something like that. They might say something like that. They might say, oh, just get along. They'll say that without even knowing the extent of what happened. So we have to be mindful. So if you notice that one person or more is avoiding a family member or family members and there is high tension, there's usually a reason, right? Like there is usually a reason. So think about that and be gentle and give grace instead of assuming that it's always drama. It could be hurt. It could be pain. It could be trauma. I'll say it again. Instead of assuming that it's always drama, it could be hurt. It could be pain and it could be trauma. Number two, envious family members. Some family members can't admire or show love to other family members at all. I mean, they'll use words like, oh, they think they're all that, or they think they are better than someone else. I mean, they're constantly worrying about what other family members are doing and what they have. I mean, those statements are envious statements. I don't care how you look at it. They are envious statements. It doesn't have to be like that. Why is it like that? So some ways to minimize this or get rid of the envy is to count your own fortunes, right? Worry about yourself. Show some compassion for people in your family. Learn about your family members. Oh my gosh, learn about them. Ask them questions. Get curious about what they're doing to accomplish certain things. I mean, you may be surprised how much they might be willing to share and how much you can learn from each other. All right, number three, a lack of support. Most people in unhealthy families do not support each other very often. And sometimes it has to do with being envious, right? They may even wish and hope for your downfall at times. I've seen that. So instead, members in the family will try to one-up each other right? They'll try to, you know, outdo each other. Uh, They find it really hard to be proud and happy for other family members who are successful. It's really sad to see and witness. It really is, really is sad. So instead of doing that, and and if you want to show support, ask how you can show up for that person. This goes back to really getting curious about 
how they are successful. You can ask questions and you can probably learn from them so you can support their endeavors just like you would want them to support yours. Number four, hateful words and actions. A lot of people in unhealthy families are not careful of their word choices and they don't really understand how their words can affect each other. And if they do understand, they just don't care. (laughs) They just do not care. I mean, they don't even reflect. They will say any and everything and they will not care how it comes out of their mouth. I mean, they'll broadcast derogatory comments toward the family without a second thought. I'll share with you all something that I witnessed recently. Um, A family member of mine, and I won't say their name for privacy reasons, but they posted on social media something along the lines of, my family ain't shit. I mean, that is a hurtful and generalized statement. I mean, this person said, my family ain't shit. When you say that, you are overgeneralizing it. So when I read that, I presumed that the family member was talking about everybody, right? Because they used the word family instead of directly speaking to the person or persons that may have wronged them, right? When you overgeneralize it and make those kind of statements, I mean, that can lead to conflict. That can lead to a lot of hurt and pain, and that's not okay. Of course, I didn't engage because I had no interest in doing that, nor did I want to expend my energy on something that I knew did not pertain to me. But we have to stop doing that, right? If one family member has wronged you in some way, then address the issue with that family member. But don't label everyone in the family as the problem. Words are hurtful. And so the next time you are engaging with the family member, be mindful of how your words can hurt them and choose your words very carefully. If you say something that might come off as offensive, then apologize, self-correct, and repair the damage caused by your words or actions. Okay, number five, having favorites. I get it. We may have one or few family members that we admire more than other people in the family. But if you're saying so-and-so is my favorite in front of the entire family, my gosh, I can only guess and imagine that that is going to cause some conflict. So please don't do this because it makes, it can make other family members feel like they don't belong in the family. So aim to be inclusive by acknowledging your care and love for everyone. And even though you may have a favorite, definitely don't say it out loud in front of everyone. So again, it goes back to mindfulness. Number six, triangulation. Triangulation is a situation in which two members of a family in conflict attempt to draw in a third person to take sides. One of the most common examples of triangulation 
is a family with two parents and a child where there is a significant conflict between the parents. And so one or both may then turn to the child as an outlet for venting. But this makes the child, you know, feel responsible and burdened uh, emotionally. So you don't want to do that. Another example could be like two family members, um, you know, and they're in conflict and they will call a third family member to tell them about what happened. So you don't want to triangulate, right? Um, You want to actually avoid gossiping to everyone about the problem. Instead, work out the issue with the individual that you have the problem with. So that's so important. I see triangulation all the time in families. It happens more often than not. Number seven, intellectual and mental health challenges. Now, in most, if not all, families, there is usually some family mental health history that is either undiagnosed or unaddressed. When members of a family have personality challenges, there is likely going to be some sort of conflict within the family system. The same is true if there's anxiety, depression, PTSD, or any other mental health challenge, right? So in my experience, I have found that mental health issues and trauma are the main reasons why some family members struggle to bond and appreciate individuals in the family. Um, So that's something that I've noticed over the course of time. Number eight, improper interpersonal behaviors and social skills. Many haven't properly learned how to be in a family system, nor how to be in their role. Most assume that because they are in a family, that's all they have to do. That's not true, right? Effort is required. Effort, effort, effort. So how do you show effort? Well, you actively show up for each other. This can look like reaching out to each other, to check in, planning to spend time together, you know, going to events together, especially if the person is a safe person to you. That's how you build relationships and that's how you create family cohesion. Okay, number nine, entitlement due to family roles. Some members may have a sense of entitlement based on their position in the family. I see it all the time. Mothers and fathers think because they're the matriarchs and patriarchs of the family that their role is so, so important that others have to do what they say. Even if they have mistreated their children or others in the family. And sometimes religious beliefs foster some of these beliefs and behaviors too, right? Like, you know, if you come from a family that's highly Christian or religious, it says in the Bible, right? Honor thy mother and father. So some moms and dads will take that and run with it and they'll use it even if they have mistreated you. And then here comes the family 
if you dispute with the mom or the dad or you have an issue with them, they might just say, oh, don't argue with your mom or dad. Honor your mother and father. You only have one. Oh, let it go, right? They might encourage you to continue to have a relationship with your mom and dad, even though they have mistreated you. That's not right. Don't force relationships, especially if you don't even know the extent of the abuse or trauma that may have occurred. So please, please stop saying things like that, especially if you don't know the full story of the abuse or mistreatment. That's so important to remember. Okay, enmeshment, number 10. Family relationships that lack boundaries can lead to an enmeshment. You'll see it all the time when parents are overly and inappropriately reliant on their children for support. And children oftentimes are not allowed to become emotionally independent or separate from their parents. You'll see it when you know parents um, want to live with their children because they can't do for themselves. So the children take you know, will take their parents in and support them for many, many years. They become then enmeshed. The same is true for adult children. Adult children will not leave home at all. So, I mean, since birth, right? Like they will stay with their parents and will not have their own sense of autonomy. So it's important to have healthy, emotional, physical, and time boundaries. Number 11, grief issues. It's so hard when a family loses a loved one. Oftentimes, families forget that the entire family has lost someone special, not just one person. For example, when I lost my maternal grandmother, my mother and aunts lost their mother, and my cousins also lost their grandmother. We all had a different role in my grandmother's life. I was mindful of that. But it can be so easy to be, to be blinded by grief that we want to just control the outcome of the grieving process, right? By thinking that we are the only ones grieving. Instead, if you can, check in with other family members and acknowledge their grief too, right? That can foster some cohesion and it can show that you care and you're concerned that the entire family has actually lost someone special. So that's important to remember. Um, Now, this is not an exhaustive list and there's more that I could speak on, but I wanted to start with this. I wanted to share these things with you all. These are just some of the behaviors and thoughts that can lead to unhealthy families and conflict. I get it. It is hard building relationships and working through family conflict, especially if the conflict involves more than one person in the family. And if you find yourself putting in more relationship repair work than others in your family, stop. Take a step back and reevaluate why you are doing that. It is unfair and tiring to take on the family problems all by yourself. Please do not do it alone. If you or your family is struggling, consult with someone you trust to work on those relationships with you. 
Remember, my goal is to end generational trauma and cycles. And to do that, we have to be open about what is really happening in our families in order for change and healing to begin. If you think this episode can help you, save it. If you feel like it can help someone else, share it with those that you think can benefit from this. Anyway, I am signing off for today and I will see you all in the next episode. Until then.